Well, good morning again, and happy Mother's Day. So glad that you are here worshiping with us today. Um, I am feeling much better than I did last week, so that is a good thing. I appreciate your prayers. Um, Last Sunday was a little bit of a challenge, especially that second hour, um, trying to get through it. Um, I want to share with you um, some funny things that mothers have said. A lady was once on a flight, and she asked to switch seats on the plane because she was sitting next to a crying baby. I think we've all been there and probably have all wanted to do that. But she found out quickly that is not allowed when the crying baby is yours. Another mother said, I don't care how cute the kid is. When you wake up in the middle of the night and see your kid standing next to your bed, they are terrifying. A mom was trying to get her baby to say dada. The husband asked her, you don't want her first word to be mama? She said, no, the other two will not leave me alone. This one is yours. My four-year-old child shut the door while I was inside my room, and he told me that we were going to play a game, and I was in jail. So I locked the door, the best game ever. One mama said, here's my kid's wake-up schedule. Saturday morning, 6.30 a.m. Sunday morning, 5.30 a.m. Monday morning, 8.15 a.m., and they missed the bus. Another mother was asked what she was doing. Her answer, currently I'm trying to help my son find the candy bar I ate of his last night. <laughs> Ladies, I bet if I were to pass a mic around this room this morning, many of you would have some uplifting stories to say about your kids, and some of you may have some terrifying stories to share about your kids. Mother's Day is one of those days that is both a joy and a heartache for so many. I know for many of you in this room, this day is a very difficult day, isn't it? You've lost your mother. Your mom may be sick. Your mom may have abandoned you, or maybe your children have abandoned you. Maybe you lost a child or can't have children. I know it's difficult, and for that, I wish I could change the heartache. But my prayer for all of us this morning is that you and I will take a few minutes to be able to find ourselves immersed in God's Word as we study the sacrificial love of an amazing, godly mother by the name of Hannah. Hannah lived during the time of the judges. They led during a very dark period in human history. Sin was widespread. Polytheism was was widely practiced. To give you an idea just how bad things were, the very last verse of the very last chapter of the book of Judges, the writer concludes with these words, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Kind of sounds like America today, doesn't it? The reason America is on a downward spiral is because we are a people living independent of God and seeking to do what is right in our own eyes. We are seeing over and over and over where the innocent are guilty and the guilty are innocent. We've even seen that this week in our own community. Notice what Hannah can teach all of us this morning. Hannah teaches us not to give up on our unfulfilled dreams. I I think sometimes when 
things are not going our way, we have a tendency to give up, don't we? We have a tendency to just throw our arms up in the air and just walk away from the realities of life. Ladies and gentlemen, do not give up. Keep on fighting and keep on running the race that has been set out before all of us. Let's look together this morning at Hannah. The first point we see here is Hannah was childless. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, we read, There was a certain man of Ramathan Zophim, of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroam, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuth, and Ephrathite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penaniah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Hannah was married, and as we read here, um, to a man by the name of Elkanah. Elkanah had two wives. Enough said, right? Anytime you read about a person who has more than one wife in Scripture, you can be certain that trouble is just around the corner. And we'll see that to be the case this morning. And now continue reading with me in verses 3 through 6 we read, Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion, because he loved her. Though the Lord had closed her womb, and a rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. So even though Elkanah had two wives, I think it's clear here in Scripture that he was a godly man. While other people were living independent of God and running away from God, what do we see Elkanah doing? He's leading his family to worship, isn't he? He's leading them to the city of Shiloh, to the place where, 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 where it was the center um, for worship, and he's leading his family there. there this was a regular practice of his, of his taking our family to worship corporately and teaching them to worship privately should be something that every father and mother does. My friends, it is possible to live in a godless world and still be faithful and godly, isn't it? Notice our second point this morning. Hannah was broken. We see here in the next section of Scripture, verses 6 and 7, and a rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. Can you imagine the torment that this young lady went through? This right here is the reason it is not good to have two wives, okay? Because you see the, the friction and the war that is going on between these two women. Probably Peninnah, probably every single day would provoke Hannah. She may have even paraded each one of her child, children in front of her and, and told those children to maybe make faces at Hannah. We don't know, but we know that she used to provoke her on a regular basis. Why would God permit Hannah to go through such torment and ridicule at the hands of Peninnah? In verse 8 we read, And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat? 
And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? I think this is an interesting statement. You, you see here within Elkanah, you can kind of grasp, man, just some love and some affirmation that he is offering up, probably talking to her in a very gentle way. But, but what, what, what he's basically asking her is, am I not more than enough for you? In fact, he says, am I not more to you than ten sons? As I was reading that and thinking about this and praying over this passage of Scripture, I began to think, why wasn't Hannah enough for him? If she was enough for him, then he would not have gone out and played God by getting another wife that he could have children by, right? Elkanah's problem is his inability to relate to his wife. He is trying to provide a solution to her problem instead of trying to understand. Men, you know how to help your wife have a happy Mother's Day? Learn to listen to her problems before you seek to solve them. If you're like me, you probably are quick to solve and not to listen. And I think that was one of the problems that Elkanah had. What I love about Hannah was that she took her problems to God. In verses 9 and 10 we read, After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the set, uh, on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. Hannah was a beat up woman, wasn't she? She was daily being beat up by Peninnah. She was beat, probably beating up herself because she was not seen as being worthy in the eyes of God. Back in the day, um, a sign of God's favor upon a woman was her ability to have children. If she didn't have children, that was a sign that, that, that God was not blessing her and that God was not looking down favorably upon her. Well, we know that's not the case with Hannah, but Hannah didn't know that. Hannah, man, she was a broken lady, and what she is doing is she has come into the house of the Lord, and she is about to lay her petitions at the feet of the Lord. And we see here next, Hannah was prayerful. In verses 11 through 18, we read, And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then I, Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. So who was Eli? Eli was the high priest at this particular time. And um, he sat on the seat in the temple, and he observed all the activities that were going on. On this day, what did he observe? He observed Hannah. She was in 
the, the, the temple and she was worshiping. And from his eyes, what did he see? He saw a crazy drunk woman, didn't he? In fact, he thought not only that she was drunk, but he describes her as being a worthless woman. But what Eli is quickly going to realize is she was not worthless at all, but she was a righteous woman laying her petitions at the feet of the Lord. That day, Hannah was praying to the Lord probably like she did every single day. And she was praying specifically here for a son. I know all of us have found ourselves praying with the same intensity as Hannah, haven't we? We have prayed to the Lord and we have laid our petitions before the Lord. Many of us have prayed for healing for a family member or salvation for a lost person. Many have prayed for our marriages, for our kids, our grandkids, our job situations. The list goes on and on, doesn't it? Some of you may have even prayed for kids when you were told that you cannot have any. I think we all have even found ourselves asking the Lord after those intense moments and seasons of prayer why he did not answer our prayers the way that we wanted him to answer them. For Hannah, God would answer her <clears throat> and bless her with the child. But sometimes you and I, we find ourselves asking God the question, why? Have you ever found yourself doing that? Have you ever prayed with such intensity that, that you, you, you have prayed, you got up, you felt, man, God's going to answer that prayer only to walk away and maybe days later begin to ask God, why did you not answer the prayer that I prayed? Understand, sometimes our prayers do not align with God's will. Just because our prayer is not answered, that does not mean that God does not love you, and it does not mean that there is not, it does not mean that there's some, something wrong with you. Keep praying, keep asking, but always make sure what you pray is in accordance with God's will and not your own will. I love Hannah's commitment that we see here, reaching back to verse 11. I know we've already read this, but I want to read it again. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. Hannah did not want to have a child for her enjoyment, did she? Man, she wanted a child for God's enjoyment. She wanted to have a child who would be used of the Lord to advance the kingdom of God. And so she makes a vow to God that if he blesses her with the child, then she would return that child back over to the Lord so that the Lord could use him however he chooses. Can you imagine if every Christian mother and father made such a vow before God? If we all prayed, Lord, if you give me a child, I will commit this child to your service all of the days of his or her life. During our second service, we're going to have two children. We'll have two mamas and daddies here holding their child in their arms, dedicating their kids to the Lord. These parents are making a commitment that they're going to raise their child to follow after God. Many of you made such a commitment of your own kids. 
I mean, you prayed for your kids every single day that they would grow up to be men and women that followed after the heart of God. And many of your children follow after the heart of God. Some of your children may be wayward. Don't give up on them. Don't stop fighting for them. Don't stop praying for them. Continue on a daily basis to lift them up. What Hannah is doing is she is making it clear that from the moment her child would be conceived, he would be the Lord's, and her prayer was for the Lord to make him into a world changer. Folks, there is power in prayer. Prayer changes people, prayer changes situations, and prayer changes outcomes. We need to be people of prayer. And not only do we need to be people of prayer, but we need to be disciple ship makers as well, don't we? We read in Deuteronomy chapter 11, beginning in verse 18, you shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house and when you are walking by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens are above the earth. From the moment our children come into this world, we, have been set, we are to set them apart to the Lord and disciple them and equip them. You know, God blessed us with children, not so that we can just develop great athletes, musicians, and scholars. Can you imagine what would happen if we trained our children to be great warriors of Christ, how do you think the athletic community would be changed? The arts community, the music community, the medical community, the education community, the business community. How would these areas be changed if we encouraged our kids to follow Jesus first and their passions second? What Hannah did is she she gave her child over to the Lord, making a commitment that, 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 that she was going to raise that child to follow after God before anything else. Notice what we continue to read here in verses 19 through 23. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. <clears throat> then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him only. May the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. God blessed Hannah with the son, and for three years she would train and equip and prepare that child for the world, wouldn't she? Notice next, Hannah was truthful. What we see in this next section of Scripture is that Hannah kept her word. In verses 24 through 28, we read, And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with three year, a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. 
Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, and I I made to him. Therefore, I've lent him to the Lord as long as he lives. He is lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. So Hannah made a promise to the Lord, and, and, and that Samuel would be his. Now, this child had been weaned, and so Hannah brought the child up to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and she delivers Samuel over to Eli. Do you think that she ever had second thoughts about the vow that she made? Do you think that she ever, over those course of three years, began to think to herself, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I can do a better job raising my son than Eli could. Do you think she ever did that? If she, I think so. I mean, I, I think there was probably times that she began to, to, to question and maybe even pray to God, hey, Lord, I promise I can do a better job than, that, than, than Eli could. If you know anything about Eli, then you know that he was not the greatest father, was he? In fact, in 1 Samuel 2.12, we read, now the sons of Eli were worthless men, They did not know the Lord. That is not the most flattering statement in all of Scripture, is it? And and Hannah was about to take her son Samuel and drop him at the feet of Eli, who raised these worthless sons. There's probably a little trepidation in, in, in her spirit as she was preparing to do that. Here's the reality. The world outside the doors of this church and the doors of our home today are not the safest place for our kids, is it? Lawlessness is in our streets. Our society is morally bankrupt. We are a broken people that live in a broken world. And there, but there is coming a day when all of us, and many of you have already done this, Man, we're in the process of, 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 of doing um, this with our own kids. There comes a day when we have to let our kids go, right? We have to let them go into the real world and have faith and trust that we raise them to be the men and women that God set them apart to be. So Hannah would take Samuel to the house of the Lord, and she turned over to the Lord and Eli, her son Samuel. But I want you to know that even though she gave her son to Eli, she never stopped being the mother of Samuel. We read in verses 18 through 21 of 1 Samuel chapter 2, Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy clothed with a linen ephod. And his mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year when she went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, may the Lord give you children by this woman for the petition she asked of the Lord. So then they would return to their home. Indeed, the Lord visited Hannah and she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. And the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. Know this, a mother is always a mother whether the child lives under your roof or not, right? My mom, as many of your moms, has already gone on to be with the Lord. 
But I remember even in my early 40s, I remember my mom making it very clear on a number of occasions, I'm still your mom. Y'all ever have that? Y'all remember that when your mom probably told you the same thing? She would always tell me, be careful. Call when you get there. Like I'm just going across town. You know, I'm a 40-year-old man. Do I really need to call you when I get home? It was highly annoying at times. But looking back, I would give anything to hear her one more time annoy me with one of those statements. When you commit your child to the Lord, your loss will be the Lord's or the world's gain. Hannah's loss would be Israel's gain. The final point we see here this morning is Hannah was worshipful. In, in second, our first Samuel chapter 2, let me read verses 1 through 3. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. So what we see here in this passage of Scripture, and she's going to go on and talk about, um, about the proud. She's going to talk about God's sovereignty. And then in verse 10, she speaks of God's judgment and of the future. In verse 10, we read, The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces against them. He will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. What we see with Hannah is a woman who was dedicated to the Lord. When Hannah drops off her son, she is not seen here as crying, is she? She is seen here as exalting the Lord and worshiping him in song. Why? Why was she not crying? Because God had answered her prayer. And she knew God was going to be faithful to his word. And she, was, and, and she knew that God was going to use her son to change the world. Samuel would be used of the Lord to lead Israel back to the Lord. And he would not only be a spiritual leader, but he would also be a king anointer. He would anoint Israel's first king, Saul and Israel's greatest king, David. Moms, thank you for what you do and what you have done and will continue to do. I pray that each of you will have the same resolve as Hannah. Be women of prayer. Give your children to the Lord. Keep your word to God and to others and make worship and Bible study, Bible study part of your daily routine. In closing this morning, I want to share a poem that was sent to me this week by Joe Somerville. It says, A mother's love. There is no love like a mother's. Her heart is filled with care. With Christ as her example, her Savior's love she'll share. A mother's love is endless, not changing for all time. When needed by her children, a mother's love will shine. God bless these special mothers. God bless them, everyone, for all their tears and heartaches and special work they've done. When days on earth are over, a mother's love lives on. 
through many generations, God's blessings on each one. Be thankful for our mothers who love with higher love from power God has given and strength from up above. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning. Again, just thanking you for the opportunity to be in your house, to worship you. Father, I thank you for the example of a mother's love in Hannah. She was a woman that truly followed after you. Father, I know that even Eli thought that she was a a worthless woman, but she was not a worthless woman. She was a righteous woman. Sometimes when we do things in accordance with your word, the world is going to think less of us. But Father, we know that you will not, and we thank you for that. Lord Jesus, I just pray now that you will just be with us during this time of invitation. If there is someone in this room that is yet to receive you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that today they will make the greatest decision they could ever make, and that is to repent of their sins and place their faith and trust in you. Father, I pray, Lord, during this time of invitation, Lord, that every mother in this room, every grandmother in this room, every lady in this room will recognize their great value in your eyes. And I pray that every man in this room will tell the women in their lives how much they love them and how much they honor them and how much they appreciate them. Father, move now during this time of invitation. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.